Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley. Retirement Unlimited is an informative weekly radio program dedicated to offering factual information and sound advice for those wanting to know more about retirement planning. Proper advice depends on complete analysis of all the facts and circumstances. Information given on this program is in the nature of general financial comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. This is to protect your assets. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent. California license number 0518567. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated. Tricord Advisors Inc. is a registered investment advisor. Now, here's Randy Barkley. Welcome to Retirement Unlimited. This is the radio program that is dedicated to helping you make smart decisions about your money. I'm your host, Randy Barkley, and I'm in the studio with Chris Marsh and Brianna Reich, and we are with Tricord Advisors. Tricord Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm and we are fiduciaries. And in the program today, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a fiduciary. There has been an avalanche of change and there's an avalanche of change that is coming on April 1st. In fact, there was just announced that Merrill Lynch will no longer accept IRA accounts that are commission-based as of April the 10th. In addition to that, there's insurance companies right now that are struggling to see whether or not they're even going to be involved with retirement accounts because the new DOL, the Department of Labor standard, says that you have to you have to charge what they refer to as reasonable compensation. And the problem is nobody knows what reasonable compensation is, and so insurance companies and broker dealers, all these firms are very concerned that they're going to get sued. And there is a lot of class action potential if all of a sudden you start doing business and you are not properly representing yourself to the client as a fiduciary standard. Now, we're going to talk about and try to explain to you what this all means. For us within the industry, for us that are in the business, this is a watershed moment. And there is all kinds of lawsuits right now that are being filed against the Department of Labor, so we don't even know exactly how this is all going to wash out at the end. But be, but be sure this is going to change how you do business, and particularly how you do business with retirement accounts. So the Labor Department finalized their fiduciary rule back in April of last year. Guys, tell me what that really means. How do we explain this to a client? How does that, what does that mean? If you're a fiduciary, and what is this rule? What does it mean as far as your business and your how you transact business with your advisor? What it means is that uh, for those of us who are in the business of providing financial advice to clients, uh, we are required now uh, under the new rule as of April of next year to uh, take what is known as the fiduciary. Uh, standard of care with our clients. And what that really means is we are required to uh, put the best interest of our clients ahead of our own. Now, somebody who receives a commission, mm -hmm. okay, let's say I go out and I, um, if I'm working with a client and I sell them an insurance product, an index annuity or some kind of annuity, and I receive a six, seven, eight, nine percent commission, am I acting in best interest of that client? Well, 
you possibly could or could not be, but what's going to happen going forward is that if you are going to receive a commission for these products that you're referring to, you have to have what's called the best interest contract exemption drawn up. And in that contract, you have to be able to explain what you are doing for that client and how you're working in their best interest if you're going to be receiving these commissions. And some of the problems we're seeing going forward is that like you mentioned before, this could open a floodgate to legal action. You know, lawyers are going to be waiting to read these best interest contract exemptions. And sometimes they're going to try to even prove that, you know, what's in them doesn't even mean that you're working in the best interest for a client. Now, let me interject here right now. Those of you that are kind of listening to us and trying to figure out what this all means, Tricord Advisors, our company, Registered Investment Advisor, we have been a fiduciary forever. So we understand this rule because we've always acted in the fiduciary role with our clients. What I'm trying to do is to segment or separate the difference between what we do as a fiduciary as well as those people that are transaction-based. And the vast majority of the people who are in this business are transaction-based, and that's where the Department of Labor has really come down on this. And it says if you receive a commission, it is contrary to the best interests of the client, right? In other words, they can get that product someplace else or get that investment someplace else at a cheaper cost. Right, it could it could uh, present a conflict of interest because you have to, as a transactional-based uh, advisor or at the broker-dealer level, uh, you have to uh, prove that the mutual fund or the assets that you are uh, selecting for your clients uh, are truly the best possible asset for them. It's not just uh, something that's going to pay you the highest commission. Or you have them sign this, what Brianna, you talked about is this, this BIC. Now, is this a new kind of bicycle? What is this BICE thing? <laughs> yeah, the best interest contract exemption, that's what the, the BICE stands for, is a contract that has to explain the commissions that you're charging, why you're charging them, and how it's still in the best interest for the client. And the client has to have the opportunity to read this and sign this. But this is going to come at you know a logistical cost for a lot of these companies. So that's why some of the companies would rather just say, we're not doing these commission accounts anymore, or we're going to grandfather them in and any new trades will be all based on a fee. Right, and that's where we see the the Merrill Lynch of the world who, uh, instead of trying to do anything with this uh, vice that uh, Brianna's talking about, they basically came out and said that we are going to no longer even deal with commission-based products. We only are going to charge a fee um, and so going forward, if you have a, an account, a retirement account with Merrill Lynch, uh, you will be charged a fee for assets that you hold there uh, and any transactions you take after April 10th. So let me, let me kind of break this out a little bit for the listening audience here. If I'm in a, um, a meeting with an advisor and that advisor puts in front of me a recommendation and that recommendation is in fact an insurance product. Let's say it's a variable annuity and that variable annuity through that advisor has commissions. So let's say a normal variable annuity has anywhere between four to six percent commissions attached to that particular product. In order for that advisor to move forward 
in recommend or implementing the retirement account with the customer, the customer would have to sign this BIC form, this B-I-C-E. Now, the best interest, what's it stand for? Contract exemption. Contract. Now, that last word is really important, exemption. So that means the client is waiving a illustration or some kind of information that says this product I know that this product is probably not the best for me, but I'm going to go ahead and implement it because I like this. I like the presentation or whatever, but it takes the advisor off the hook. Is that true? Yep. So when you have this put in front of you, so as an investor, what do you think most investors are going to do at this point? Well, again, I think that uh, at this point, what they're going to do is they, I think there overall has been a misconception or maybe uh, they have been under the un the understanding that their advisor has been acting on their behalf mm -hmm. from the beginning. And what this is really starting to point out uh, and, and kind of leads into the next part of this, but what it's starting to point out is that um, if the Department of Labor does not believe that uh, these individuals who have been uh, sold uh, commission-based types of products, uh, it hasn't been in their best interest to have that. Uh, going forward, they're forcing those individuals who have been charging commissions uh, to either provide it via a fee or to provide this by... Yeah, and it, it's, going to be, it's going to be an issue because... If I am an advisor and I have made my income, in other words, I've supported myself and my family by selling, mm -hmm. and the sale of those products that generate a commission for me, now all of a sudden, everything that I am doing, my whole business model is being turned upside down. Yep. Because I no longer can just sell that product like I have in the past to my clients or prospective clients. I have to now prove to that client why paying a commission to me is in their best interest. Right. And you know as well as I do, that isn't going to work. You right. can't do that. You cannot prove to a participant that it is in their best interest to pay a commission unless, unless the advisor somehow coerces, somehow persuades the client to sign this because in order to do business with me, you got to sign this thing. Well, right. that's where we're going to see a big shift, we believe, in the industry. I mean, they're talking mm -hmm. about, up, you know, about 25% of advisors in studies have already said that they're possibly going to be leaving, whether that be mm -hmm. retiring, sell their practices. Um, it's it's going to be difficult for some to completely shift their way of doing business, and it might not be as profitable as before for some people. And even some of these big companies have talked about how they might sell. And, you yeah. know, some of the um, insurance companies are merging. I mean, we're already kind of seeing this and this hasn't even fully hit just yet. So the key factor here is that for our firm, when we sit down and talk with a client, investments obviously are a key part. I mean, they're a part of what we do, but it is not the only thing of what we do. And what we have determined by talking to our legal counsel and compliance and the people that work with us and provide us the support is that we do the vast majority of our of our clients we are financial planners so therefore we develop a plan and we monitor that plan for them investing is part of that but it is not the only part of that so understanding how their retirement plans fit into their overall financial plans is critically important 
to understand their overall holistic makeup numbers on their overall financial goals. If, if I come in and all I'm doing is selling a product, you have a retirement plan, I'm selling you something, this is what it is, I'm going to get a commission for it. That is completely different than developing a financial plan. Because we're dealing with estate planning, we're dealing with retirement planning, we're dealing with income tax planning, we're dealing with protection planning, all of those things that we're bringing in. So the, the financial aspects of it are part of the total. So I think what it's going to do is really isolate those people that are transaction-based and only focused on the investment side. And it's going to move the, the needle to those people that are doing more holistic planning, in other words, the overall financial planning. Now, I don't have to convince anybody in this room, the three of us here, how much time it takes to develop a plan. On an average, what, what do we think, Chris, would it take? How many hours does it take to really develop a plan? I think it takes a, a significant amount of time, and it really depends on the complexity of the client. In general, I would uh, I would say that uh, a standard type of, of client who's coming in, who's not really complex, young, uh, maybe four to eight hours. Okay. But, but and four, it's not even just that. It's the continuous follow-up and exactly that relationship right. that we have with a yep. client to con consistently change through all the different transitions that they're going through. So the relationship yeah. we're established with the client is not just that one-time transaction. It is an ongoing thing. And we meet with our clients periodically through the year. Most of our clients we meet with at least one to three times a year, which takes not only preparation, but also the meeting, as well as all the follow-up information, all the things that have to be done after the meeting. That doesn't count the initial. The initial, all the fact gathering, all the presentation of findings, dealing with accountants, dealing with attorneys, dealing with all the things, the amount of time. Now, this is where the crux is going to come about. This is where the break is going to come. Small accounts, small IRAs, and that's the only assets that they have, they're going to come in and we're going to have to develop a financial plan for those people. Merrill Lynch, the, all the big firms, the Morgan Stanleys, they are not equipped to do the financial planning for the smaller accounts without losing money. Their model doesn't work, and you're going to see a shift on how they do business with those prospective clients. Going forward, it's going to be a major change and I think what's going to happen is I think I think you're going to see a lot of clients that are going to be pushed away. Mm -hmm. In other words, they're not going to be dealt with. Right. Yeah. What you're what you're going to see is they're going to be given an op an option. You can either uh, keep your account uh, with the major brokerage. However, instead of having it under an advisor, it's going to go over onto the retail side where you are responsible for making any of the adjustments, and you're getting no advice or no help with it. Uh, or the or you can move and go with uh, a company that can provide you the support that uh, that you want or need. It's going to make for the smaller accounts. It's going to make it a much higher threshold for them to get the advice that they really need. And what we find oftentimes are people that have the least amount of money. They typically are the ones that need the most help. They're the people that are just starting out. They either have debt problems. They have they're just getting started in life professionally. They need help to help understand this. And I, you know, unfortunately, I think what this this uh, ruling is going to do is is going to illustrate how self-serving the industry has been 
only based upon the number of, you know, the, the amount of money and the sales that are being presented, not based upon the service, because it's always been a, uh, it's always irritated me when people call themselves financial planners, when they really are not going through what I call the real process of financial planning, because it takes an extensive amount of time and work in order to help somebody through their financial steps in their life. Right. And that's, that is, that's exactly what we do, uh, at Tricord Advisors. So Brianna, I'm going to kind of pick on you a little bit. Um, your decision process when you entered into this business, uh, you obviously made a professional choice to become a financial planner. And there was a couple different routes that you could have gone. I mean, there's opportunities for somebody who comes into this business to go to the, the more what I call the transaction-based orientation and those which are more the, the fee-based uh, type structure. Why did you choose the direction that you chose? Well, always from the beginning, the driver for me was the people and relationships and um, helping people organize and educate them. And so I knew coming out of school that I wanted to go somewhere that was kind of, you know, local and, and not like a big name, big wirehouse because I wanted to work with people around me that, you know, just a real good relationship. I wanted the opportunity to be able to sit with them, you know, give them a hug if I needed to, you know, I mean, just be right. able to be with the people. And so, um, I, you know, I've seen both sides of it. I've done the RIA. I've, I've done even a side where there was a little commission and fee structure and, um, both were that small, you know, kind of hometown feeling. And so um, we, we gave good service at both. But I feel like the structure that we're in now is where the industry is really going. Um, the, com the commission style is a little bit more transaction and it is a little bit more investment heavy. And I feel like we're really a service firm. Like we have to do a full comprehensive plan. And I feel like the RIA uh, industry or you know firm so, so I mean, is like right like right to, now yeah. i mean when you have clients when you're sitting down with it how mm -hmm. much of your time do you spend just talking about investments versus talking about other stuff gosh i feel like it's like 80 20 and yeah. i feel like i'm talking about their lives most of the time and then we do discuss their investments but we have to have that plan first and we have to have that relationship where we trust each other before we can even get to that point and we have that structure that allows us to do that because one of the most common complaints that I get from clients is that when they come in from another firm they'll say well they, they haven't talked to me in years they haven't talked and I said well the reason I haven't talked to you is because you haven't reinvested you haven't invested more money and the compensation has been made so therefore you are not somebody that they're focused on because they don't make any more money from you. you. They've already got all the money they're going to make from you. And all of a sudden, clients kind of realize, oh, oh, I am just really the commission, not the relationship. And I'm not saying everybody falls under that, under that stroke. I'm just saying is that it happens more often than you realize. And picking and choosing the right relationship with a financial planner is really critically important because it'll establish the long-term goals and it will constantly have that ongoing relationship um, that, that I think that most clients will desire. If you'd like to talk to us more about this, I'd like for you to give us a call. My phone number is 951-684-7011. Stay tuned for my next section. We're going to talk about tactical asset management.
You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371-888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. This is the section of the program that I refer to as tactical asset management. In the little bit of time that we have left for the uh, program today, I want to talk about um, an asset class that oftentimes I don't think is really discussed. And inside of the plan, we like to have a certain amount of cash and sometimes more cash than others, depending upon where we are within the market cycle. And I want to talk about cash as an asset class. And it's critically important that in a maturing stock market, higher valuations, that we start to build up cash. Why? Why do we have to have cash? Well, the biggest reason you want to have cash in the portfolio is it's kind of twofold. Uh, number one is the as the market uh, starts to turn over, roll over, or starts to peak and then start moving down, uh, even if it's correcting, um, that cash that you have in the portfolio will provide a level of buoyancy because the cash, as long as you're not in an, a, a, an inflationary uh, situation where you've got inflation risk in the market, uh, cash is not going to hurt you. It's actually going to help you because it is not going down. The second part or the second reason why you really want to have it is because it provides you an opportunity to go shopping on sale. You're basically have the ability to go to uh, the market and purchase assets, high quality assets, even that may be at a five, 10, even 15 or 20 percent discount. So from a tactical standpoint, this really becomes a, uh, a managed point at this time at this point of the cycle. In other words, asset classes are higher. In other words, everything ta- everybody talks about we're in for a correction. We, we talk to our clients, well, the market's gonna have a correction. Well, do you know what the difference is between salad and garbage? No, what's the difference? Time. So therefore, if you buy something, okay, and you think it's gonna be really good, then all of a sudden it's it doesn't happen. So a month, three months, six months, a year down the road, you look kind of foolish in the asset class that you've had or the thing that you think is going to happen, it just doesn't happen. So therefore, cash allows you the opportunity and the flexibility to buy assets. It gives you that buoyancy within the account, but it also gives you that opportunity to buy assets that are cheaper when they do correct. If you'd like to know more about this or anything else we've talked about in our program today, I would like for you to give us a call. Phone number is 951-684-7011. 
or simply just go to our website, which is www.retirementunlimited.com. If any of you out there have a retirement plan and you're going to sit down and talk with an advisor and they say, oh, we really can't deal with you on an advisory basis because your account's too small, I want you to give us a call. We'd be more than happy to sit down and talk with you. Till next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley. For more information about today's show or other questions regarding your retirement planning, call Randy at 951-684-7011. That's 951-684-7011. Remember, retirement planning is a process, not a product. So call Randy at 951-684-7011 or visit his website at retirementunlimited.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Retirement Unlimited. Proper advice depends on complete analysis analysis of all the facts and circumstances, the information given on this program is in the nature of general financial comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. This is to protect your assets. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent. California license number 0518567. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated. Tricord Advisors Inc. is a registered investment advisor.